Welcome to the Earning the Push podcast, a show by wrestling fans for wrestling fans looking at, you've guessed it, professional wrestling each and every week. My name is Jack Murley. I am a professional broadcaster joined each and every week by co-host, professional rugby player Charlie Beckett. How are we, Mr. Beckett? No bumps and bruises this week? No, we're all right. Probably didn't play at the weekend, so um, that probably helps. But no, we are all good. Thank you all. Good. How are you? You were, what, water carrier extraordinaire. Is that what you were up to this weekend? I was waterboarding to the absolute best of my ability, and my God, my team was well hydrated. I was just running on, shouting, if you're thirsty, it's too late. That is such a good catchphrase. I feel like that needs to be in your Twitter bio somewhere. Yeah, just if you're thirsty, it's too late. Just keep sipping, lads. Just just keep sipping. Just keep <laughs> From the Finding Nemo school of game management, it's Charlie Beckett. Well, look, it's another busy week in professional wrestling. We've been saying that pretty much every week since 2022. We've seen title changes, surprise returns, and a Thanksgiving home invasion, all of which we'll be talking about on the show today. But let's start with Saturday. AEW pulling the trigger on the era of MJF at full gear, having him beat John Moxley to win his first ever AEW World Championship, thanks to Blackpool bad boy Billy Regal doing naughty naughty things again followed up with a stellar confrontation between Regal Mox and Danielson on Dynamite let's get into it Charlie the era of MJF is here it is it is and I think we all agree it had to happen but I wasn't sure of how it was going to happen and I just think it was beautiful it was absolutely beautiful because I didn't see Regal side of MJF coming I honestly didn't of all things I thought might happen I didn't see Regal slipping the brass knocks and then I'm just so excited for the reasoning why. And uh, I said on Twitter how good that uh, segment with Danielson Mox and Regal was this week. And you replied, it's just wrestling when it's at its best is a soap opera with violence. And this is just soap opera drama at its absolute finest. Maybe we were in the minority not seeing this coming because we didn't. Uh, quite a few people online said this is clearly what's going to happen. Is it wrong to say there is art in sliding those brass knucks across the ring? Because I got up early to watch this match alone before I had to go to work and I popped huge with the misdirection and then sliding the brass knucks across. I just thought it was perfectly shot, perfectly done, just fantastic. Absolutely. I just know that if I tried to slide those brass knucks into the ring, they would fall over, they either wouldn't move, they'd get stuck, they wouldn't go straight to uh, MGF as smoothly as they did. He's a man who knows his way around a pair of brass knucks, isn't he, Mr. Regal? But it was just so nonchalant, and you've got to give credit to the ref and to Mox, who both played their part perfectly, because there's nothing worse, is there, when you see a ref clearly trying to keep themselves busy so they don't see what's happening. It just seemed smooth. It seemed natural. It was very, very well executed on everyone's part, I thought. Do you know what I wonder sometimes? I know he's a professional, so he wouldn't do this, but like, you get down to ringside and that's a spot and you reach into your pocket and they're not there. Like, like what do you do in that situation? I get anxiety thinking about it. Honestly, imagine what what would you do? You go, oh, I didn't bring the brass. Uh, like, just go in your pocket, like lob your iPhone out, <laughs> and like, just like, whack them over there with the iPhone or something, like a library card or a national yeah. trust membership. No, that would be absolutely hideous, wouldn't it? But thankfully, he's a lot better than you or I would be, and I remembered the brass knucks, and it just yeah, it worked smoothly, it worked brilliantly. It got the crowd reaction that was expected and wanted. It was um, it was executed perfectly. 
interesting where we are now with this, where we're looking and we're going, MJF is, well, Regal's a heel because he's turned on Mox, but let's look at that. And he was being worked uh, in that match. Mox was working as a heel. He he had to go heel. Yeah, he had to, didn't he? Because there was just so much fan support for MJF. That whole arena, there was only one man they wanted to win. And you see it, don't you? There's nothing worse than when the face, for whatever reason, the fans aren't behind them. They just keep resting face. You've got to, you've got to tap into that fan reaction a bit. And I felt he did that very well. And then obviously MJF went heel to win it. Of course he did. How did we not see that? Why did we not say, of course he didn't want to earn it. Of course he didn't want to do it the righteous way. And then that promo he cut at the media scrum after was just, it was delicious. It was just absolutely brilliant. That sign off of thank you, F you, goodbye. was just, I want t-shirts saying that on. I, I, I'm amazed they're not merchandising it now. If people haven't seen that media scrum promo, go and see it because it is him at his best. Very intentional. They've done that at a media scrum, trying to reclaim the narrative of what those media scrums are like. We were talking last week about Seth Rollins and the Shield, and the perfect time to split people up is when you don't want to see it. Is that what we saw an example of with Mox and Regal this week on on, on Saturday and then on Dynamite? Because I wasn't ready for them to split up, but I see where we're going now and I want this as well. Yeah, I I agree entirely. And I think uh, a regal managed MJF has so much upside and so much excitement. I think the thing with the Blackpool Combat Club that has confused a little bit is they've kind of, they had such a hot start and then we haven't really seen them together on telly since. You don't know what their aim as a group is. So maybe this will be something that gives them a little bit of fire again and, them splitting up now and are we going towards a Danielson Mox feud because of Regal? Because yes, give me that. It was it was weird, wasn't it, the BCC? They started so hot and then I couldn't tell you when I last saw them together, when I last saw them in their merch. They were kind of like a thing, but not a thing. So I don't think it was a bad move to split them up, but I don't think we saw the potential that group could have had. I, I think it was a means to an end, almost really. And look, in the year that AEW has had, there may have been plan A that became plan B that ended up becoming plan C. Regal standing in the middle of that ring as a heel. How long has it been since we've seen William Regal as a heel? Because you and I both probably thought after NXT, he can't be heel. He's beloved. Everyone loves William Regal. Yet there he was in the middle of Chicago getting booed out the building, this dirty old villain. It just shows there is life in the old dog yet. Yeah, I think you're right. I think uh, NXT GM Regal was so over. I don't mm. didn't see how we could see him as heel again. But he is he is a brilliant heel. And when he just when he was getting checked that abuse, he just said so uncouth. He was like, oh yeah, I forgot how good you were at being bad. You, this is going to be a lot of fun. I think what we're going to get is an AEW equivalent of Punk and Heyman with MJF and Regal. Do you remember when all Heyman did was stand behind Punk? He didn't give the promos. He didn't need to. But him being there just added that extra credibility. I can't wait. And I feel Daniel uh, Brian Danielson has suddenly, and it's odd to say about him, become more relevant than he has been in weeks and weeks with that one segment alone. Yeah, because... Danielson does love Regal and Mox did love Regal and it doesn't matter what the people you love do you do protect them you 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 come out to protect them when no one else will and that's what Brian Danielson's done there because no one really should be protecting him he's absolutely screwed Mox over Mox have every right to be going for him and Mox clearly has enough respect for Regal to hold hold till next week and enough respect for Danielson to listen to him it's a fascinating story on many emotional levels and this is when wrestling, wrestling is at its best and it's not just Bish bash bosh moves pile driver one two three. There's emotional 
stakes, emotional payoffs, emotional layers to it. And then that is conveyed through the sign, um, through the art form of professional wrestling. So the promo is going to be great. If we get Danielson versus Mox in a heated emotional feud, where almost, almost they don't want to beat each other up, but they have to. There's just so much, so much upside to that. And what I love is story. I love that we opened Dynamite with a talking segment. I love that, yeah, did I want to see MJF on the show? I did. I really did. But I love that Regal said, well, I'll tell you I sent him an email a few weeks back, but we'll tell you more about that next week. This is that hook. And we've said it a few times about AEW. You need a hook. This story could be that hook to keep people coming back week after week. Can we talk about MJF versus Paddy the Baddy on social media? Because you brought this to my attention. Yeah, things I didn't think I'd see this week. Paddy's basically saying, I'll bat you at Craven Cottage. That's essentially what he said. And you know what? It's massive for AEW that a UFC star on the rise, like Paddy is, he's being billed as the next McGregor. I don't, I, I like, I like him, mate. I like UFC. I'm not a huge fan like I am mm. wrestling, but I love Paddy because he's from Liverpool like me. And all I know is he's very, very easy to get behind because he's a character like the likes of McGregor. I don't know how good he is in the ring. I know he's in the field, but all this, but he's a star on the rise in UFC, whatever way you see it. It's huge for AEW that one of their stars, whether it's been talked about behind the scenes or whether he's just taking it upon himself, is calling out their world champ. Because if you're Tony Khan, print the money for Craven Cottage. Even if he's just in the front row like Tyson Fury was at the Millennium Stadium. Mm. Like something like it doesn't have to be, you know, it just has to be a confrontation. Because uh, will he be allowed to wrestle? I don't know. I don't know how the insurance works, whether they're allowed to wrestle and all that sort of stuff. But even if it's just a segment, a confrontation, a talking promo. That's just huge for AEW to get that crossover relevance. Who, who you, you can write it with Regal in MJF's corner, whoever is challenging MJF with Paddy the Baddy in his corner, and you do it that way. But because, and my God, MJF, and why would you expect anything different? The boy didn't hold back. Essentially saying, uh, you know, and this is all allegations. We don't know there's any truth to it. It's just MJF running his mouth. I'm I'm natural. You're on the steroids. I could beat you. You're a cheap Conor McGregor. I mean, when MJF loads that promo gun and aims it at someone, they are dead. You you cannot cross swords with this guy. No, I sent you a picture of my better half out for dinner with me this this week, and she had a scarf on. There's a bit like MJF, and I sent a picture to you saying I'm out for dinner with the AW World Champ. And you said, send that to MJF on Twitter, he'll reply. And I said, I would if I didn't value my relationship because he'd just say such horrible things about her that she'd dump me. Mm. So that's why I didn't. But God, he's just, he's just boxed off everything he does. He's made himself the most must-see, to rip off the maze, the most must-see thing in wrestling. And that's why he's at the top of AEW right now. And is that why the Regal partnership is important? Because they do, I can't work out. And also like, I'm going to sound like a hypocrite because I think having good guys and bad guys, good gals and bad gals does matter. I think that is important. Does it matter that MJF is being cheered? Is putting Regal with him a way to keep him on the heel side of the ledger? Or do we just have to accept there's this weird dynamic where people hate MJF, but they love to hate MJF? Yeah, I don't think it matters that he's because he's never going to start playing for the crowd. He's still going to keep being an atrocious human being who says awful things. That ain't going to change. So... I don't think it matters because I think he'll just, he'll find a way to make the crowd look stupid for cheering him. Which he did in in that, go and watch that post-show uh, media scrum. If you haven't had a chance, it is foul-mouthed. It is saltiest of salty language. My favourite thing was when you said it to me, knowing who I am, knowing what I do, knowing what I'm like as well as you do, you went, 
a little bit of bad language just to warn you. I, I was like, that, that, thanks, Jack. Just want to be clear, Charlie, bit of swearing in this. I think you'll enjoy this, but a bit of bad language might not be for you. Yeah, not around the kids, Charlie. There's just some, you know, this is quite a sweary bit. But elsewhere, full gear, needed to deliver, right? We went in saying the card is going to be long, like Gone with the Wind long, about 10 matches on it. Elsewhere, we saw the elite return but lose to Death Triangle, best of seven series underway there. Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus open the show in a really good cage match. Soraya beats Dr. Britt Baker. We said they needed to reset the narrative a little bit for AEW. Did the show work for you and did it achieve that goal? So first things first, it was too long. Again, yep. they always are for me, but that that's a personal tasting for me. I think a lot of people enjoy them. I don't enjoy shows that long. Nope. Um, you look at the card length for Survivor Series this weekend, the number of matches, I'm going to get onto this later, the number of matches looks perfect. It might still get too long because War Games are almost an hour, aren't they? Yeah. Anyway, so too long. But the quality of wrestling was outstanding. Uh, I thought opening with Luke Soros and Jungle Boy was a very clever move because, God, those those lads went at it yeah. in that cage. They were brilliant. Um, really, really pleased for Soraya getting her first win back. I actually saw a theory online, someone saying, maybe, or was it you who said it to me? might have been more interesting for her to lose her first match and the story be that she's not quite what she was and the story be a redemption story from the injury and working up to a win, which I, I, I would I would have got behind that story as well if that was done well. But I think for the feel-good moment, her winning was was the right call. That was great. Um, when was it announced that the Elite and the Death Triangle, not Death Triangle, yeah, Death Triangle were having a best of seven? It was, when did that it was become a thing? It was literally before the main event. They sort of, yeah. you know, when Excalibur just goes into Looney Tunes mode and just runs through everything at the speed of yeah. light, it, it was in there that they announced it and that it had already been the first one, which sort of, if you are the elite, if you were treating this as sport and you can't because one of them just got brained with a hammer to lose the match, but you would go, hold on, lads, you can't have best of seven without telling us it's best of seven. Yeah, uh, but their match, unsurprisingly, was just carnage. Yep. There's a shock in the least surprising news ever. But brilliant. And give me some different stipulations in this best of seven series. Yes. Give me some different kind of matches because I don't care how good you are. Seven matches in a row of the same gets a little tedious. It do, and I'm not, I don't love best of seven for that reason because, and particularly, these guys are so good. You go, all right, you've got seven matches. What are you going to show me that you didn't show me in match one? Because it's not. Yeah. Look, I could be wrong. They could have loads up their sleeves, but it doesn't feel like they hold back. It doesn't feel like they're going, we're running at 60% so far. The only good best seven series I can remember was Sheamus versus Cesaro, when at the start, no one was bothered. And those boys wrestled so well that they got themselves so over. And then it was the winner gets a title shot and they drew. So Mick Foley made them a tag team and put them in a, the bar and they were brilliant. Um, so we're going to get the Le- AEW six-person tag team titles yeah. is what's going to come out of this. Uh, moment of the night was the Elite coming out to carry on my wayward son. Yeah, that was cool. Just, just... I mean, let's, let's get into it. Is Punk coming back? Or are they just, or are they just being absolute... Can I say bastards or do I actually use another word after re-record? We've done it. Let's go with it. I think we can slide are they one just through. Being, are they just being that and really rubbing it in CM Punk's face because it's almost too much? They are known for doing this, okay? they. I, and look, here's the thing. You come back and you get that huge reaction and then where are you the next next show? Chicago, Illinois. So do you just lean into it and just go, 
we're going to get booed anyway. We might as well make some noise. Well, they didn't lean into it. They pushed it down a bloody cliff. <laughs> uh, the, Kenny Omega hitting the G- GTS and then giving a shout out to Kenta. Thanks yeah. for the move, bro. That is next level douchery. He's, he's biting people. Yep. Just the whole thing is just carnage. But you either do it for one or two reasons. You do it because he's coming back or you do it because he's not he's coming, never back coming back and you don't you don't care at all, do you? You don't yes. care at all. Either he's way. Either, he's either definitely coming back or definitely not coming back. And this is where it gets interesting because as far as we know, we haven't been told otherwise, they're still EVPs, these three boys, of the company. So it's not like just the talent being the talent. This isn't Shawn Michaels in 1997 DX style, you know, just being... A, a what's it you know it, it, this is evps of the company of a of a big company doing it i mean if he did come back who'd you put him i mean you could put you could get that ftr thing going again punk and ftr against the elite i i think could work but i just look my predictions i mean shot to hell this week so i thought punk was coming back and he didn't but i i don't know i just it, it's entertaining if nothing else it, it absolutely is and um, it's Got us talking about AW in the most excited way we have in a while, I'd say, this show. Coming out of coming out of the show, I'd say we're the most excited we've been for a while. Would you say that's true? I'd say it's true. I still think there were some some slightly rogue booking choices on AW Dynamite. I liked a lot of it, but again, they're persevering with this Ring of Honor experiment. I, I have to say I switch off when I see it's a Ring of Honor title in the main event. It doesn't it doesn't appeal to me, but Chris let's have a word for Chris Jericho at fifty-three years young going out and having a four-way match with Danielson, Castagnoli, and Guevara, three of the best in AEW, one of the best of all time, one of the most technically gifted in there as well with Castagnoli, and Jericho didn't look out of place at all. No, he is... Every time he steps in the ring now, whether it's on the mic or to wrestle, he's just cementing his legacy as one of the best ever, isn't he? He just... He's not doing any... You know, some legends go too far, including my beloved Undertaker, and do damage their reputation at the end. Jericho hasn't gone over that hill at the moment. He's just making it better and better and better. And you know, you just know he will know when the moment to stop is. He just seems so smart. So he's a joy to watch. And I think that is why, for me, and I think you feel the same way, I'm so sure they can't get this Ring of Honor stuff over for me. Because if Jericho can't, no one's going to. That's exactly right. You know, I heard him talking to Dustin Rhodes on his podcast this week, and he was talking about that moment in the pandemic where he almost didn't over, didn't rotate enough on that lion salt. Do you remember? We we had yeah. the show then, and we were talking about it again. Oh, Jericho's looking a bit big. Jericho's looking, as we all were in the pandemic. Those, those, that, that time's behind us. This guy is as good as he's ever been. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Let's talk about Survivor Series War Games. War Games! It's our second Saturday pay-per-view in as many weeks. WWE hosting its 36th Survivor Series, the first with the War Games branding, at a sold-out TD Gardens in Boston. It will be headlined by two War Games matches on a card with just five announced bouts, but don't let that fool you. It will go long because War Games matches are always big, big beasts. It's just the way they're structured. We'll start with the men's War Games. It will be the Brawling Brutes and Drew McIntyre taking on the Bloodline with the help of a returning Kevin Owens, who's back in the company. I poo-pooed this last week. I said, no, I hear he's injured. What do I know? Oh, it was a good reaction, wasn't it, when he came out? Great. And he seemed genuinely emotional about it. And, oh, just add another layer to this story, because now Sammy's brother Kevin's there. 
and just oh, I I don't know the last time I was this excited about a WWE pay per view. Really? I genuinely don't. I am so excited for this, and again, it's a great card, but it's that one match. I am. I first of all, I love the War Games stipulation. I think it's such a cool stipulation. I'm so glad they brought it back. But I'm just so so intrigued to see what plays out because there are so many possibilities, so many. And when we get that Sammy and KO face off, the place is going to go bonkers because we know it's coming. It, it has to. It's not like the Royal Rumble where. You know, you, you, they may get eliminated. You may go, what could have been? The stipulations of war games means it has to happen unless one of them is stretched out or something happens. You know you're getting that moment. And my God, the multi-layered storytelling in WWE that we're excited anyway about what's going on with the bloodline. And now you can just inject Kevin Owens into this. It is going to be magic. And we're going to see Roman Reigns and the Usos in war games. I mean, that is just cool. Yeah, so cool. Just, I bet they're excited because it's a stipulation. Kevin Owens is the only one who's been in a War Games match, I think, of these lads because he went back and did NXT, didn't he? Well, you know, I was thinking about this and didn't Pete Dunne slash Butch have a War Games? Yes, Pete did. He did it with um, with the Viking Raiders. He got all he got all dressed up for it. That's it. That's it. Yeah, so, so, Pete, so Pete Dunne has done one as well. Yeah, you are right. You are correct there. But what you've got is you've got people who haven't really done War Games. And... and it's violent, it's bloody, it's painful. They will wake up in agony the next day, but I bet they're thinking of ways they can deliver this. I bet they got some brutality on the mind. 100%. And I also love that KO's promo was like, yeah, Sammy's there, but that's not what I'm coming for. He wants he wants the title. He's coming for Roman Reigns. So I think that's what we will fall into out of this, into the Rumble. I think we will have KO versus Roman Reigns for the title. So give me your fantasy, not booking, but what moment... Do you want to see with Kevin Owens and, and Sami Zayn? Do you want them to be involved in the finish? Do you just want a face-off and then to have it taken away? What What do you want? I don't know. I don't know what I want because I don't want Sami's turn on the bloodline yet way too early. And I don't think that's a make them turn while you're not expecting it. I genuinely think it's so because I think, I think you've got to go into the rumble with Sami in the rumble and a chance. And there's too much potential there. Mm in the rumble for you to have Sammy properly turn on the bloodline. Yeah. I, I, I feel personally, but I want him to look almost like he's considering it. I want um, the Usos to push him too far. Um, Myth gifts. Who's brilliant on Twitter. Isn't she? She's yes. done a breakdown of the um, Friday night and how Roman looked like he was going to batter uh, Sammy until KO accidentally saved him. There's just so many layers. So I don't know what I want, but I'm so excited. I, I cannot wait for this. I, I think that this is just going to be absolutely fantastic. Uh, you're happy to ride Roman Reigns and, and Kevin Owens all the way to the Rumble for, for this title? Because someone needs to... You've got to start having some... As excited as we are for this, those titles need to be on the line at some point. Yeah, I, I think it has to be KO and um, Roman for the title. I would have KO basically have essentially up to a three count on Roman and have it broken up or the ref distracts or something by someone in war games which is legal obviously in war games but i would have it yeah a, a visual three count for kevin i think would be a, would would make sense mm. building was a really credible threat um not that he isn't already he, he he's one of the few who can drop straight in and be a credible threat to roman reigns which is why i think they've got to bring him in but um I, i'd like something like that because i like how roman sold the stunner 
yes. uh, on Friday night. Like the stunner, yeah, it's the weakest we've seen Roman look in a long time taking that stunner. So that that would be something else I want to see is, um, and it was BT Sport who tweeted this, uh, because they're going to war, I would like to see the Usos, Roman and Solo doing the... Um, Samoa, I can't, I can't perhaps name the Samoan version of the hacker. Yeah. Because that is their invitation to war in Polynesian culture. Uh, and the Usos used to do it before matches when they were back playing in the paint. Um, so it's been done before. I think it could be a very, very cool moment while paying a huge amount of respect to their culture and their heritage. So I think that would be, I, I'd like to see that. And I'm sure conversation been had about that. Is this the moment where you can use the war game stipulation to take Sammy to the next level character-wise? Because I'm thinking there's some way that KO pins Sammy Zayn and it makes Sammy feel like he has let down the bloodline and the bloodline sort of view him with suspicion and Sammy has to become more brutal. Sammy has to become more violent. Sammy has to change to prove himself to them. Or if you flip the story around, that could be the inside story. He did the job knowing that he was going to turn on Roman at some point. I feel like having Sammy involved in the finish gives you a load of options rather than say it was just Jimmy who got pinned or Butch who got pinned. Yeah, I think Sammy has to... If the bloodline lose, it has to be Sammy who gets pinned. And I think you build it off something like Sammy has an absolute storm of a match. Sammy's in first for the bloodline. And then he's like the last one standing and he's tearing through the the brutes and Drew and Kevin and just taking it to him. And then either just runs out of gas or saves saves Roman from a super kick or something like that and gets pinned. And then the bloodline turn on him as him letting him down. And it's just a slow build to actually know he was the best thing you had going. He was the reason you were still in the match. And just the bloodline almost turned heel on Sami Zayn, if that makes sense. I got it. I got it. Right. Here's what we we do. Here we go. So Roman hit by the stunner by Kevin Owens. One, two, Sammy pulls the ref away before the three counts. So Sammy can say, tribal chief, I saved you. Then shenanigans. Jey Uso goes to land a super kick on Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens ducks connects with Sami Zayn, stunner on Sami. There's the pinfall. So you've got Jay Koss, the bloodline, but it's Sami who takes a pin, but Sami has a credibility of saying to Roman, if I hadn't been there, you would have lost. So everyone comes out stronger. Everyone's happy. WWE, check in the mail to me, please. You can have that. My prediction was bang wrong last week, but that's what's going to happen at Survivor Series. How much is your check worth? Uh, Not very much. I'm a very, very poor agent for myself. That'll be £30, please. Um, Just book tokens. Yes. Um, a free year subscription to the WWE Network. Yes, that's um, it. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I think there's, but the thing is, there's a million ways they could do it and we'd like it. That's, that's the exciting thing. And I trust this WWE to not get it wrong. And the thing is, you've got story galore in the men's war games. The women's war games feels a little bit like, let's throw what we can into the concept and let's see where we can shake it out. I cannot pretend I'm as excited for this one as for the men's one. However, if Becky Lynch pops up on SmackDown as the fifth woman, then all bets are off. So I'm all for, I hope people know this, the WWE women, the AW women get the same opportunities as the men. It's about time, it's brilliant that's happening. But I feel like we've shoehorned this match in because we feel we have to have a women's war games match. There isn't an organic story here. Like, why is Rhea Ripley with damage control? Like, there's just, it feels shoehorned in and... It's not like you're shoehorning a 10-minute match and you're shoehorning a 40, 45-minute match here. So I'm not as excited for this one. I think it'll open the show. 
because there'll be excitement around war games and these women are going to deliver. They'll do some mental stuff. Um, it might never be as good as Shotzi Blackheart jumping off the top of the crate in a in the cage in a bin. That's still one of my favourite moments ever. Um, but I, I do feel like we should hold this in a little bit. But yeah, the 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 intrigue is around who the 10th the one will be. And I'm shocked they're showing us on SmackDown. Yeah. I thought they'd wait till the show. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. That's why, you know, that's why I think it must be either Becky or Beth. I, I, it's got to be one of those two. If you're leaving it till the Friday. Charlotte Flair's in the ether. Oh. Oh, well now. Yeah. So We this, haven't seen or heard from Charlotte Flair in a long, long time. So this is why you have to leave it till the Friday, because this can be your last minute buys. If someone, and I don't know why you'd be on the fence about this card, particularly if you've got the network, you're getting it free anyway. But if you were on the fence, then this, th- that is the intrigue. Would I rather have Charlotte Flair than Becky Lynch? I don't know. I don't know. If you want to reintroduce Charlotte Flair as this monster who's going to rip through your roster, yep. have her come in and dominate war games. And like at the end, turn on her own team. At the end, just batter her own team as well when they've won. That is the problem, isn't it? If Almost a dynamic is wrong for her to come in on the face team because I still think Damage Control aren't red hot as a faction. That's that's a, And Charlotte Flair coming in as a face and decimating Damage Control... Yeah, you'd think so, the way they've been booked at the moment. Um, but have we seen Bianca Belair versus Charlotte Flair in a big-time environment? I'm trying to think whether we have. We had Bianca against Sasha. We had Bianca against Becky. Not with Charlotte, I don't think. Or not a match that jumps out. And no. you'd like to, you'd think that a Bianca-Charlotte match would jump out. So there we go. That maybe is a way to do it. I, I am of the same mind of you. I think you do have two rumbles on the same pay-per-view because i think that makes sense to brand it that way but i don't and i think you probably do do you need two money in the banks i i don't know i sort of feel like you can get away with doing one stipulation on one and then the other on the raw or smackdown afterwards like i don't Mm. need all of the same matches and that can be the men's as well frankly sometimes you don't need it to go oh we'll have the women's on raw or something like that you put the men's on raw but i just think two war games matches is is difficult to sell. I, I think I'll have to watch this in two goes to be excited about it in the way I'd like to be. Yeah, I'm going to try and stay up Saturday, but I don't think it starts till 1am our time, does it? I don't no. think. So it's going to be a late one and it'll run to yeah, So I'll see what I can do. Another weird one, isn't it? That yet again, we're talking about Saturday pay-per-views as if it's the most normal thing in the world. Two or three years ago, it would have been unheard of to have Saturday night pay-per-views. I think it, from a business point of view, though, it makes sense because they don't go against the NFL. Yeah. In the NFL season, they're not going against the NFL because NFL is Sunday night. So I think it just, I think maybe they're thinking, why are we why are we competing with the biggest sport in America when we can just do the night before? Wrestling is a changing. Other cards on this match that have really gone under the radar, Ronda Rousey versus Shotzi for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Not often Ronda Rousey is an afterthought, but she is on this card. AJ Styles against Finn Balor, and then Seth Rollins versus Bobby Lashley versus Austin Theory for the US title. And that is it. That is all we are getting on this card. It will still be long. Any of those undercard matches you are desperate to see? That US title match is going to bang. That is going to be 15 minutes of mayhem, isn't it? Mm. Absolute carnage. Lashley is going to just batter them all. Seth will get a Seth will sneak a win somehow. Yeah. Um, that's me good. I'm not too excited for the women's um, SmackDown women's title match because I'm not that invested in the story of Ronda, to no. be honest. Again, she's just not what she was her first run, I don't feel. 
I feel you could have had her in war games. I feel that there could have been a way to make that women's war games feel bigger. And maybe that's where, maybe not brand supremacy, but maybe you find a way to, to get Ronda Rousey into war games because I think that would have maybe elevated that match. Yeah, I think you're right. And the story is Ronda in a cage. Ronda yeah. dominates in a cage, doesn't she? Uh, and then I think the AJ Finn match will be outstanding because how can it not? How can it not? That's that's my second on the card, which is a dead spot to be in after the women's war games, which I think you're right, will open. But give those guys 20 minutes and say, look, go out slow for the first 10 minutes, ease your way back in. That's going to be fantastic. And people may or may not have seen this because I think it came out, uh, we're recording Friday morning. I think this was a Thursday night thing on BT Sport. Um, Rey Mysterio getting some unwelcome Thanksgiving visitors in the form of his erstwhile son, Dom, and Mammy Rhea Ripley. <laughs> Just amazing. Just unbelievable. It's my favourite bit is Ray opening the door, rushing his mask on. Yes. Yeah. Um didn't realise he was in a boot. Didn't realise Ray was injured. No. That's a shame. Um but you're just amazing. Like I just love that the like, very intimate family moment. And oh, there's just a camera there. Yeah. There's just a cameraman. What I think is fantastic is is how good Rhea and Do- Dominic Mysterio, right? Dominic Mysterio, who we're all going, oh, Dom, you know, it's just Dom. We're now going, yes, Dominic Mysterio in this weird little goth Judgment Day sleazebag role, like Eddie in China 2.0, is fantastic. And I love that it was Angie Ray's legit wife, because I remember her from that storyline yeah. at SummerSlam. And Angie, I think she's called. She's yeah. she's aged well, and Angie's yeah. there. And it just was like, I just I just thought it was great. I don't know what they're going to do with it, but I thought it was a great segment. There was there was some actual children at the dinner table as well. Yeah. There was some genuine, like, seven, eight-year-old children just watching dad, uncle, granddad, Ray Mysterio getting beaten up by Dom. And what I love is that because it's a wrestling family, someone's turned up with a camera at their front door and they've gone, oh, here we go again. These kids are so jaded, <sighs> just like, oh, da- <sighs> dad's can we in. Have, can we just have one Thanksgiving where we just eat the turkey? Dad's in for a beatdown. Ugh, it's happening again. I thought it was excellent. I have no idea what they're going to do with it, but it's just a fantastic week of wrestling. To have a wrestling week of seven days, which are going to be bookended by MJF getting the title, a regal heel turn, and War Games, the other side of it, you just like a pig in muck for this, aren't you? you? You can't get any better. And we know that now, once this is out of the way, we're beginning that home run to the Royal Rumble and then on to Mania. Yeah, we are in the business end of the season and it's a very, very exciting time to be a wrestling fan. Have you given any thought to what WWE would have been like had Vince still been in charge? Like what we would be doing for, for these survivors? I bet you it wouldn't be War Games. Oh, I don't think it would be at all. It'd be brand supremacy. We'd have red and blue t-shirts on. <sighs> Thank God for Triple H. Right, let's get on to everyone's favourite part of the podcast. Earning the push, back to developmental, where we send something from everyday life that we love to the moon. We give it a good old push and something we don't like, we send back to developmental. It cannot be wrestling related, but anything else goes. First or second, Mr. Beckett? Uh, I'll go first this week. Goes for it. Um... My back to developmental is something you are far more well-versed in talking about than me with what you're doing at the moment, but just FIFA, just, just, you're the worst. The captains who didn't wear the armbands because they might get yellow carded, have some backbone, lads. Like, genuinely, if you if you feel that strongly about it, wear the armband and get a yellow card. 
that, that, that's all I have to say on it. I have, I'm sure you have far more things. You've, articul- you've articulated yourself far better than I have right now on many news channels through the week. But honestly, if you feel that strongly, wear it. Let me just do a little bit of tidying up here for legal purposes and say that I'm sure that FIFA would say they are not the worst and most shambolic organisation and that they have many anti-diversity or or anti-discrimination initiatives in place. And I'm sure the Qataris would say that as well. Whether you believe it or not is another matter entirely. But just to protect yourself a little bit there, Mr Beckett. Thanks, Jack. Jack's my bodyguard. Um, <laughs> I'm your advocate, is what I am yes, in this situation. Yes. Then, I think what Mr. Beckett um, meant to say, Your Honor, was. <laughs> and then, and push. So, I have a saying that um, there is no such thing as bad weather, there is bad clothing. Okay. And there has been what may be considered bad weather this week. The rain at my ends has just been just torrential, awful. And obviously I've got this stupid dog that needs walking. <laughs> Who you love well, dearly. Again, oh, I adore. I, I adore. I'm, I'm, I adore. I'm saving you here today, my friend. Yes, yeah. I'm your safety net. My, water, my big red waterproof coat and my Timberland boots and my wax waterproof flat cap have been brilliant. They have earned their keep this week. I'll tell you that for nothing. The full farage, um, as we call it. Yeah, so I'm, what I'm giving the push to is just really good waterproof clothing oh because it's really important when it's raining. You are the younger one of us on this podcast by some distance and yet here you are. Okay, so good, really, you want... Really good waterproof clothing. So like back to developmental, you're sending an entire sporting organisation and you're giving yes. the push to good waterproof clothing. No, really good. I beg you Like elite level. Okay, elite level, young buck style. Well, God love you. You can have anything you want. Uh, I am uh, earning the push for me this week, a good car sing-along. Now, I'm sure you do this. There is something special about my half-hour drive to work where I am able to put on my songs and sing what I want at the volume I want with absolutely no judgment. And I have been giving a superb rendition of Gina G's, ooh ah, just a little bit, which sounds ooh, odd in a Cornish uh, a accent. A little bit more. That's the one. I've rediscovered all my 90s boy bands, and I'm just, I have a whale of a time. And I have now, because I'm 34 and I just don't care, I used to stop singing at traffic lights. Not anymore. People can see me singing in all my glory. I'm a big, big Luke Combs fan. Yes. And I genuinely, when I have Luke Combs on, I don't sing, I perform if I'm in the car by myself. <laughs> I perform like you get if you're next with traffic lights you get a you get and I've got a ginger beard I'm a bald man I might be Luke Combs you like think god that's him next to us uh, no there's nothing better is that and there's nothing better than being in a car with other people who you get on with and can be yourself with and then a song that you all know and want to sing along coming out it's very very good very cathartic it's good for the soul a bit of a car yes. sing along because where else can you do it in life you can't be one of those people who I mean I do walk around the house singing a little bit but um, so that's getting the push for me Back to developmental, it is still too early to have your Christmas decorations up. If they are up, take them down. You have gone too soon. Yes. December is my rule. I won't get grumpy about it in December. Mm. December is the month of Christmas. But I'm hearing Christmas, like, oh, we stop at services on the way to training, obviously, because it's a long journey. I've got Christmas songs on. Shut up. Shut up. It's, it's just, too early. It's too early. It's too warm. It doesn't feel like Christmas. And I have a friend who has a neighbour, and this probably says more about the neighbour than him, who still has their Halloween pumpkin 
out in front of their house. Now it is That's equally as weird as putting your Christmas tree up now. And what I'm saying is we're in a happy medium where you have to have your Halloween stuff down, but that does not mean your Christmas stuff has to go up. December is the absolute earliest you can go with it. It's too much otherwise. We're just not there yet. So hold your horses, boys and girls. We're not at Christmas season yet. Couldn't agree more. Okay, let's wrap this up with something wrestling related. Uh, I'm going to go back to our women's war games. Cards on the table. Who do you think the fifth person is going to be? We've thrown some names around. Becky, Charlotte, uh, Beth Phoenix. Who is it going to be? Just because no one mentioned her that I'd heard of till I did today, so I'm going to claim it as my prediction. I'm going to say Charlotte Flair. Do you know what? I'm going to row in behind you on that as well. I think it's going to be Charlotte Flair. We will know by this time next week. Remember, it's a Saturday pay-per-view, folks, not a Sunday one, so make sure you're across that. We will talk about all of it on next week's show. Remember, rate, review, subscribe wherever you get this podcast. Tell a mate about what we do here if they love wrestling as much as we do. But for now, we're out of time. On behalf of Charlie and myself, thank you for listening. Enjoy Survivor Series, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.